Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Number 24 today, Brody Grundy. Did you pick that from the clue we left you at the end of the episode yesterday? Because we had that really interesting conversation with Kane too, talking about Marcus Bontempelli. It's been less than a week since we've talked not just about any Ruckman, but the Ruckman that shares a very interesting role structure for us. We had Max Gorn just a few days ago. We've got Brody Grundy today. And joining me, as I've already alluded to, Kane is back on the podcast. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Yeah, really interesting one. I think Grundy's another one of those guys like Bontempelli yesterday that his success in previous years has this such high bar for him that when you know the last two years have been you know underperformances and obviously last year was injury riddled, we sort of just overlook but when you put the hard facts of his averages in there and you look at the other guys in that same position mm-hmm. he's still at the point yet and I think maybe as a whole in a community we sort of think he's he's really fallen away and yes he's clearly come back from those peak years sure. of, of 2018 and 19 when he was one of the best scorers if not the best scorer across both formats but yeah even last year with just six games and some of them you know ha- hampered by injury Mm. The numbers aren't quite as bad as you think when we start afresh and we look at the other Ruckman that he's up against now. Yeah, it's very, very true. 28 years of age at the moment. He will be 29 uh, as the season emerges. Uh, He was one of the big names, maybe not in terms of trade currency of what it cost Melbourne, but certainly one of the most recognizable names that moved clubs during the offseason. His season high score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was a 124 against the Eagles and a 129 in Supercoach. As Kane's already alluded, he's been a beast for a long time, so those top scores are nowhere near what he's done with career high scores. A 181 against the Giants back in 2019, and in the COVID bubble-impacted season of 2020, it was a 179 against the Western Bulldogs. He's given you an average of 93.3 in AFL fantasy. So he's priced in that format, 830. They've chosen to award the discount to what he did the season prior, which pretty much means in that format, he's priced at what he gave you last year. While in Dream Team and Fantasy, 762,600, he's priced a little bit more value, around about 10 points per game less than that. So he's in the low 80s. In Supercoach, he gave you a seasonal average last year of a 103.5. He's priced at just over 510,000 and pretty much priced in the low 90s as well. I think internally within every AFL club, Kane, whether or not they're in the premiership window or not, they would all have some similar mantra of we exist to win premierships. So somewhere is this undercurrent and Collingwood made a really big ballsy call last year, whether it's right or wrong, we're going to see over time, but in no uncertain terms, they went, we are spending so much salary cap in one position. We feel that with Darcy Cameron, we can get at least a competitive ruck opportunity We can maybe draw net zero through the midfield in that ruck. And then what we're going to do by freeing ourselves of some of the Grundy salary is we can now plug some holes in our list. 
Hill as another smart, crafty forward. McStay as a tall forward, plays a defensive-minded role and can ruck. And then Tom Mitchell adding some support and beefs out that inside midfield stock. Now, whether or not that's the right move, we will see over time for Collingwood. But what it has politely done for Brody Grundy is probably just let him know, mate, we don't want you. We don't need you. And whenever you say that in no uncertain terms to a footballer, especially someone as gifted and as passionate as Brody, there is a world that we could start to see that historical beast mode scoring from Brody Gun- Grundy return. Yeah, well, that's the thing, MJ. It's not ever nice to hear that, is it? Especially no. when he'd earned that contract and he just accepted what was offered to him by the footy club. Now we know there's a lot of new management at the footy club now than there was when that deal was written. And um, obviously they put all of that in the in the mix and they made a call that, yeah, they, they'd rather some depth, even if they're paying some of his salary. Mm. Um and that's where, obviously, from our perspective now, we look at that. So he's at Melbourne. Yeah, He's at Melbourne. Um, he's alongside Max Gorn. He's alongside a really beefed-up midfield. Yes. Um, not to go too far back to the Max Gorn podcast that we did, but the ruck split is always going to be the challenge in terms of yeah. they can't be in there at the same time. So when you look at Grundy's peak, peak years, you know, 18, 19, when he's 120-plus, he really was a 75%, 80% ruck yeah and i'd just be shocked if that's the split that he can maintain i agree with gone but now as we did mention in that podcast there is a lot of opportunity going up against these second rucks mm-hmm. and maybe it's something at the point of both of their careers you know with gone being um, you know 32 coming up this year grundy being 29 maybe it is something where they are able to be more points per minute based mm-hmm. take that little bit more time off the ground and just be in there and providing a really high bar in the ruck throughout the whole game. Yes, I'm sure there'll be some resting forward. Max Gorn, we already know, can go behind the ball mm-hmm. and just provide almost that sweeping role and try to intercept any of those pack kicks forward. So maybe that's something that will boost the time on that not boost the time on ground, but actually just that points per minute. And that's really all that we care about. You know, if they're out there 50-50 but they're going as hard as they can and they can really rack up those points. And you substitute that with some forward time where there's some chance to get some you know, ruck contest tackles, maybe even a goal or so. Yeah, I think that's the hard balance because Grundy's relevance comes from the discount. We haven't had a chance to get him. That's like true. you mentioned, he, he's priced pretty much across AF and Supercoach at 93. Mm. DT's even cheaper with the discount yeah. being applied. So there, he's in the 80s there. So we haven't had this chance to get Grundy at this price for a long, long time. No. You couple that with me thinking the Rucks, they are down. You know, Grundy Just as and a unit were, those, were yeah. those alphas. They were guys that were going 120, 115 plus almost across the formats so at their peak. Yeah. And now that that bar's come down, and it's come down a fair way. It's like, a long way. You, you think about what Jared Witts did last year. Yeah, yep. he was sensational. Now, he tapered off late for whatever reason. We know Tim English was really good, but Jared Witts was just under 110. English was 105. Now, there was, as I said, for a lot of the season, Witts was 120-plus. In Supercoach, yeah. But, it, but he did come down far enough in the back end that he dragged that all the way under 110. Gorn was the best with the 113. Now, he's mm. in this new ruck situation. So my point being, Sean Darcy, 102 in Supercoach. Riley O'Brien, 
101, Nicknat 98. Yeah. Like it's it's not an enormously high bar. You jump across to AF and DT, you, you take out Gorn and Grundy. You got Tim English in there. Yeah, he was yeah. he was really encouraging around 100. We know Rowan Marshall, he was around 90. Riley yep. O'Brien, 93. Wits, 90. That's not a ridiculously high bar. No. For someone as talented as Grundy. Yeah, and this is the line that has been historically, if you don't get Grundy and Gorn, who had been for so long been the clear alphas, as you said, they're 120 guys in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 130 guys in Supercoach. So now we're looking at a low 90s in AFN Supercoach and a low 80s in DT going, even an increase of 10 points per game, which is, we'll talk about role in a second and how it fits and all the elements for Melbourne in a second. This leap that he has to make to get back to 120, as much as he's got the scoring capacity and ability when he's an 80% plus CBA midfielder, to get up to the top, it's not that far. It's why he's ahead of Max Gorn in the 50 most relevant. He presents value on return. So the jump doesn't need to be as significant. Whereas for Gorn, he must maintain his space as the clear number one. Grundy doesn't have to. He just has to get close enough. And five points per game off the number one? Yeah, over the year, 100 points. But if you're saving 100, $200,000 on your starting squad by going him over a Marshall, him over an English, him over whoever, now we're now talking about value, not just points. And that's what's so interesting, MJ, to me is oh, I think about what a Nick Natanui can average in his time on ground, and he, he hovers around the high 60s for the past three seasons. Mm. So if you just think about it like that, if Gorn and Grundy both went at 70% time on ground, sure, they played 50% of game time in the Rock each, yep, and there's 20% of time when they're in the forward line and they're on the bench for the other part of the game. Makes sense. Uh, is that something they could, and they could probably play more than that, they could probably play more like 80%, which is... Yeah. 50% each, 30% forward each, or 25% each, 25% on the bench. Like, Nick Nanunui, he's gone 110, 115 in Supercoach doing that. You know, he's he's been in the high 80s already with his little bit of time on ground. So I don't think it's impossible. And we spoke about on that podcast as well, MJ, about Nick, Dean Cox and Nanunui mm. both producing some of their best seasons as a tandem just because of the toll it takes on yeah. the opposition ruckman you could imagine as well so it's unusual we haven't seen not for a quite long this time. level not for a long time so i think that's always a little bit scary but the discount like you said is the reason why grundy has to be more relevant than gorn mm. because you'd think that gorn's the more versatile in terms of playing forward or back yes i think that's grundy right. is also cheaper so there's a lot of those elements thrown into the mix that if, if they're sort of dead even, well, of course you want the cheaper guy. Totally. Well, we saw last year at Melbourne, we're already emerging towards a, a, a bit more of a leveled ruck sharing for Gorn and Jackson. And while I think long-term is in five years plus, Melbourne will lament the departure of Luke Jackson. What they've got is a better ruck replacement right now 
and probably some draft capital that they hope a combination of those things combined will level things out. The reason I'm alluding to that is in 2021, in the premiership season for the Demons, Gorn's seasonal CBA split was 73%. He was in there, whereas for Luke Jackson, it was 28%. Just 12 months later, at the end of 2022, Gorn's fading to 66 Jackson's up at 36%. So we're already seeing a less dependent center bounce Melbourne all in on Gorn. And we talked in that podcast, not just about Nick Nat and Dean Cox of a decade ago, but we also talked about how teams, even with Melbourne doing it last year, let alone the Eagles, would target opposition Ruckman and would balance certain players going, right, this player will be a much more damaging player against this matchup. So it now gives Goodwin these opportunities to go, right, in this matchup, we're going to let Grundy run this guy off his feet because Grundy's the more mobile, versatile mover around the ground. So we're going to run him off the feet and then we're going to throw Gorn in and he will absolutely decimate the number two ruck. That might seem some scoring volatility, but again, you're not paying top price for Grundy. He also doesn't have to go 110, 120. He just needs to go 10 to 15 points per game. And I know I sound it flippantly, but 10 to 15 points per game, what he's priced at? Low hundreds in Supercoach, in AFL Fantasy, low hundreds in DT. That's low 90s. And then to the point Kane made, if the bar is lower, he's going to be close enough. I've got two questions for you, Kane, um, before we look at things. Um, what do you think this does for his super coach scoring? I'm leading the witness here a little bit. He's <laughs> always had he's always had a good midfield at Collingwood. Pendles, we know, is is a future Hall of Famer. Adams, Dugowie, these guys are no slouches, side bottom another. But he's I think he's about to get the Rolls Royce Keys midfield in Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, and Brayshaw. Do you think having a better midfield around him is going to significantly increase his supercoach scoring, even with a limited opportunity with Gorn? Well, it's certainly interesting, MJ. It's it's always hard with those things, isn't it? Because if the Collingwood midfield was struggling was it Grundy's fault for not giving them best supply? Was it their fault for not winning the footy? I think that's always something that we try to we try to balance. Mm. But you know, just looking at last year alone, you know, if you're pulling up the clearances just on on raw numbers, Melbourne was fifth in clearances. Collingwood is down there at thirteenth. That was only three on average a game, so it's not anything crazy, crazy. If you start looking at the differentials between like actually in game, Collingwood was yeah. minus four. Melbourne was up at, you know, plus one. So it wasn't anything really stark, you know, whereas the Bulldogs, they're all the way at number one at plus eight with Carlton second at plus four. So yeah. that would that would say a slight bit. And that in Supercoach can be a fair bit because we know a hit out to disadvantage compared to a hit out to advantage is quite a hefty swing. I believe it's mm. almost five, five points. Now we know that goes into the 3,300 thumb that you know manages everything every time but mm. I don't think it's huge but I think it is something you know an Oliver Petrarca, Aviney, Brayshaw uh, in terms of 
purely supporting the Ruckman, and mm. that is basically winning hit-out to advantage or at least stopping the other team from making it a disadvantage. Um, <laughs> they're really, really good. They're right yeah. up there probably with those Bulldogs, and I think Carlton last year in that regard with Cripps and Hewitt, those guys in particular were just super, just taking that hit-out, getting it cleanly out of there. And that's really important for a Ruckman too because – those chains, you want those chains from the centre to mm. end in a goal because that's where you really get that weighting. And um, that wasn't Collingwood. You know, they were more those defensive chains mm. that felt like move it quick, a uh, bit of chaos in there. So Melbourne does love, and we know in that premiership year, they were great at it straight mm. from the centre, straight in there either for a goal from that midfielder, that's right. surging forward from the stoppage or, you know, hitting up a Fritch or a McDonald or a Brown. So, I think there's a boost there. I wouldn't be saying this is a huge switch. You know, he hasn't gone from Hawthorne, North Melbourne last sure. year. Sure. Yeah, to, a poor midfield you know, to an elite Yeah, one. to a Brisbane, someone who's going to just be banging in goals for fun. But I think it is enough of a little boost because that was an area probably that Collingwood um, will have clearly addressed it, haven't they? You know, gone, mm. and get, gone and got Tom Mitchell, who's one of the best inside mids in purely winning that contested footy and, and getting it moving forward your direction. So... I would be saying it's huge, MJ, but you couple that with the discount that's and true. maybe that's something that you hope offsets a little bit of the lack of centre bounce opportunity that he's likely to get. Yeah. The ruck division feels like a line that people, as much as they might feel settled with what they've got, I think it's the one people could be moved on the most if certain elements approach them. A lot of really confident with Tim English as number one, and he was very good for most of the year. But I don't think he's as elite and far and above as everyone thinks he might be. He was very, very good, and that's not putting a hose to Tim English's scoring or his fantasy relevance. But I think there's this narrative of he had six to eight unbelievable games. He's now the clear number one. He's there. Cool. The narrative holds no problem at all. But I think when you start to find ways of poking holes in people's structures, the rucks generally is where people feel the most frayed and unconfident about what they're doing. Is it Cameron at R2? Is it is it Marshall at R2? Is it dropping it down all the way to a lie set? Is it as 16% of super coaches have done, gone, I'm just picking Grundy because there's value and I can't see him going less than what he's priced at. I think these are the ways we find ourselves into talking Brody Grundy going, I don't love other options. He's not going to score worse than he's priced at. I've got so many trades available to us now. The Dream Team and Supercoach are becoming more and more like AFL fantasy and spin the plates faster. It's, it's less of... Uh, the strategy of how you value your trades while still important is different to how you played it two to three seasons ago. Um, so I suppose that's why Grundy's where he is on, on the middle part, but on the upper middle part of the 50 most relevant, because there's a world where even if he doesn't become a top two ruck, he still becomes one of the best picks you could have this year. If you start him while others look to upgrade and hope for some variable change around him, before he jumps back up to being beast mode. Yeah, I think that's spot on, MJ. An injury could happen or just, you know, a structural reason could force, you know, a Max Gorn forward more and Grundy more in the ruck and mm. um, then you want to get to him. And that's why it's always hard to go set and forget in the rucks, isn't it? Because 
you do limit yourself to a lot of these opportunities or at least force yourself to make a trade. And I think that's probably where most people are sitting with Grundy is mm-hmm. want to have a look. And as we mentioned with Cameron, Darcy Cameron gives you a look. Yes. Scott Lysette gives you a look. You know, Lloyd Meek would give you a look. Now, you've got to still manage what you think they can do. But that is, I think, something as we get closer to the season, um, a lot of people who might have said English Marshall, mm. as time goes by and information starts to swirl as we get you know more into this match-specific training, they go, oh, that's a possibility now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't really think that was a possibility. And I think that's where Grundy will start coming into his own because clearly Melbourne want to make it work. Yeah, They want to give him every chance. He wants to prove to Collingwood that uh, he wasn't a reason for their struggles because I think a lot of the sort of shine that he lost was in that 2021 season where, you know, Nathan Buckley left and they, you know, were down the bottom of the ladder and they traded away that first round pick that the Giants got. So there was a lot of stuff like that. And then also, unfortunately, he was a victim of, he got injured. Mm, Through no fault of his own. No, but the team kept winning. And they kept winning close games and there was so much um, of just a rallying cry to that group that were, were actively playing. And unfortunately for Brody, he wasn't in that group. Yeah. And they were making this incredible run in the back half of the season. And, uh, you know, they would push Sydney all the way in that prelim and nearly made a grand final. So I think he was a bit of a victim of that. Uh, who's to say that he might not have helped them and put them over the top in some even more games? Oh, I but think he would have, but yeah. that that That's the way... It fell and timings, everything. So, um, yeah, he's going to be an interesting guy. Again, he's not someone at the moment that is in my teams personally, mm. um, but he's on the radar, absolutely. Mm. It, whether absolutely. it's just clearly you have to watch him because there's not many rucks that can do what he can do. And even, no. and we haven't seen this setup. We don't know what this setup's going to be. And that probably is something we do have to be wary of if there is a hot start is was it a hot start because these are the two or three matchups that Melbourne said, these are Grundy matchups. Yes. And there might be matchups down the line that are gone matchups. Cause even with Luke Jackson, that was something they took advantage of. And those will be matchups that will happen in game and ships in game, depending on what everyone else in the team's doing. Are the forwards on top? Do they need some more support from Gorn up there or Grundy up there? So uh, it's a really, really complicated one, but what does give him some inherent value is the price. We just haven't yeah. had a chance to get him at this price. And also the competition. If, if English comes out and he looks fit and firing as good as last year and Marshall's solo ruck, it, it does get a bit trickier. To find a way to him. To get uh, along just because, Absolutely. Just because the bar has risen. But yeah, it it's true. it is now and people look at, you know, the back half of Tim English's season, you say, well, from round 17 onwards, he went at 90 and 89 in Supercoach. Mm-hmm. That, that's about where you've got Grundy and, and you're paying full freight for English. But again, mm-hmm. on the flip side, if you look at the first five weeks in English, you say 111 DT, 122 Supercoach. And that's what's so hard, MJ, isn't it? Because yeah. five, a lot of people can have a good five-week run. And unfortunately yes. for English, we were robbed of him for, for a hammy, for illness. Yeah, that's right. You know, cop to knock, like all those things. And that's always the hard thing in preseason. What statistic do you lean towards? Do you lean towards 100%. him English missed too many games? Or you love the start of the season? Look at that potential before he was curtailed by injury. Yes. What do you say? The back end, the fatigue started getting him. You know, that accumulation of missed time, which unfortunately he has missed across his career. 
Yeah. That's what makes it so good is because we won't know. We won't know until the end of this season. And that's where you've got to put it all in the mix. But I think Grundy, with those numbers, the team, and a bit of the circumstance, I think the circumstance is probably what a lot of people like is you hope he's pissed off. You hope yeah, he wants you to do. prove you hope yeah, he wants you to prove people wrong. And you hope Melbourne want to prove people wrong as well that this can work and it yes. can take us all the way back to the top. So I think draft, that's right. Though, I think draft, Ooh. it's a really tough one. I, I think the rock line as a whole is really tough. Yep, um, I agree. I think, I think we've been pretty strong that Rowan Marshall's sort of been the guy that we feel quite good about for I various don't. reasons. Yep. Uh, I think English you've also got to feel good about too with that recruitment of Lob, but um, he does seem to miss time. And he's, unfortunately, he's had a history of concussion. So there's a few little knocks and chinks in his armour that um, – can you do it for 23 Long rounds enough. of a season? Yes. That, that's my only concern. Yep. Um, and then it's that mix. You know, you'd think Jared Witts, uh, after what he did last year, off an ACL, you'd think another preseason with a rising team would be in that conversation. Riley O'Brien just seems to be around the mark. Yeah. Then you've got Gorn and Grundy. So for me, Ruck seems like a low priority if it's not Rowan Marshall and then maybe Tim English. For me, yeah, and the price has got to be right for those guys. So, yes, when I look at the Ruckman and they're in that mid ninety, low ninety range, mm-hmm. um, it's not a high priority for me. It, it's it's mids, it's it's backs, it's forwards, and if I don't get them, I'm not really too bothered. I'll take a Ruckman now, as you said, MJ. If it starts being a fourteen team league or a sixteen team league. Well, that the variable Rucks changes are, everything. Yeah, yeah, the rocks have a lot more value, but most teams, most leagues seem to be ten teams, mm-hmm. and I think you can find a ruckman that just does enough for you. Whether it's you know we always say the Stanley and and Segler combination, just the gold stones, you find something. Yeah, enough. I can still see coaches around that fifth round of a draft knowing that English and Marshall will almost universally be the first two rucks off the board. I can still see a coach in the fifth round going, okay, got a couple of mids, got a forward, got a back. Ooh, all it takes is one variable and I get the guy that 24 months ago was the universal number one pick in Grundy and draft seasonal and draft leagues. You, We had that moment a week ago. Max Gorn, hamstring, training. How serious is it? All of a sudden, coaches are going... All of a sudden, Grundy's back on the table. Um, so that's all you're looking for in rucks is where is my upside? Now, is spending a fifth or a sixth round pick on a ruck the right strategy? Not so sure. But that'll be the narrative is people will see the name, know the upside, maybe not love some other options around that area and go, you know what? I'm going to take a jump. So you're right. What rucks do this year? in in every format of the game, but definitely in drafts. Really does fascinate me. Kane, as always, mate, an absolute pleasure having you talk about one of your new Melbourne demons. No problem, MJ. If you want to go and uh, check out the article, it is online for you now at coachespanel.com. 
TV. All the links for all of the other players we've done uh, all the way through there. Some of our league and group codes that you can go and challenge yourself against some of the best in the fantasy community. You can go and check it out while it's there. Mini Monk, who is on the podcast tomorrow, by the way, uh, he is going to be, uh, he has shared some great tips and insights from his successful 22 season that's going to really help you strategically. If you're loving these podcasts, you can get them 24 hours early by becoming a Patreon supporter for just a couple of bucks a month. It helps the coaches panel do everything we do, but also for doing it, we'll kick you some additional rewards, which depending on the tier can mean getting this podcast early. Access to hidden groups, exclusive content, articles, podcasts, and a bunch of other stuff. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. So tomorrow... We hit number 23. Here's two things I'll say to you about this person. Value, new DPP. And if the stars align, this person could be the number one scorer in his line, potentially even in the format of Supercoach. Dream Team and Fantasy, I don't know if he can get up that high but he can be the number one in his line if just one or two things go his way. At the moment, it's not looking good. But as I just mentioned about Brody Grundy and Max Gorn, all it takes is one variable to change. And this very, very relevant value new DPP could be someone that is impossible to overlook any longer. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. Yeah.